All right, y'all, and we're back here for part two. Hope you guys enjoyed part one, and we only got through a few wide receivers in part one, but we picked up the pace a little bit more here in part two and covered about four or five more uh, in Peter's top 12 wide receivers for the 2020 class. And along the way, we hopped off on some side streets to talk about Bill Belichick, uh, Nikhil Harry, uh, what some of the statistics that are out there that we could use possibly to help us get a feel for team intent uh, for some of the wide receivers like ADOT, slot rate, uh, team yards per attempt, uh, things of that nature. So hope you guys enjoy and uh, we'll talk more after part two here. (laughs) And here are your authors, Chris Allen. And a- a- Adam Wildy. <laughs> but I just mean, it, it's so hard. I, I'm a little bit of both. I mean, I'll look at film for everybody probably once or twice. And then, you know, I'll, I'll look at models that you put out. I, I try to take, just be a sponge at this time of year. And it's always hard for me to, to see, like, you can't put context into numbers sometimes. Like, the kind of player that Jamar Chase was. Uh, and is going to be, but I mean, what would have Justin Jefferson done without Jamar Chase? Probably quite a bit more. So that's that's something promising for me. I think that's what I kind of like about market share, and that it is context in and of itself. It's looking at the player on this team, and so when you find like a Jamar Chase and a Justin Jefferson breaking wide receiver one threshold numbers on the same depth chart, it's like wow, it's stuck to be the wide receiver three, four, or the tight end two on that offense. <laughs> that, that tells you in this situation, which is the only place you have to judge them, right. they, they were the guys, and like that's the best signal that they might be the guys at the next level. It's not hundred percent proof. And and that's why it gets difficult. Like, I do think we can rate most of these conferences next to each other. Like, there is a slight trend for the SEC to have slightly lower market share numbers for the wide receiver ones. But it's very, it's like 2 or 3% difference. So it's good to know. But until you get to the Independence Conference, it's not a significant difference. And, and, you know, Adam Troutman is the name I'm thinking of right now. People want me to add him to the database. And I used to add all the undrafted free agents I could because I love them. Mm-hmm. But even I have to admit, once you get to a certain level, that production can't tell you anything. If, if anyone likes what they see, then their production is probably good because they're playing at such a low conference that they're going to be the guy on that offense, you know. So, um, sorry. That's my city right there, man. He's from he's from Dayton. Yeah. So that is Where was he picked? I forget. Uh, he was picked uh, like what was it third round? I want to say, yeah, something like right that. around when the Patriots took two. <laughs> yeah, my cousin's in his yeah. first startup in a very, very long time and trying to get back into things. And he spent so long today trying to decide which of the new uh, tight ends for the Patriots are going to be producing and worth picking between Asiasi and what is it, Keen. <laughs> Um, just yeah. like, I don't know, man. I've never seen anything like that. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. People are going to keep chasing that position. Yeah, but so round you have draft no capital idea. Pretty good. Yeah, and we don't know, to be quite honest. We don't even know what that team is going to look like now With uh, now that it's Stidham season. Well, they were both third-round <laughs> picks, weren't they? They were both third-round so. picks within a few picks of each other? 
Don't yeah. Don't you think you'll just be remarkably disappointed because it's going to look like a Bill Belichick team? <laughs> you know, it doesn't right. have Tom uh-huh. Brady, so fine. It doesn't have that scene, but he's just gonna. It's just going to look like a Bill Belichick offense. He's going to get a lot out of the players he's got. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> James White season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's going to make me really mad is when they go in 11 and 5 with one of the bottom five rosters. <laughs> Not pretty much. That's right. going to be very obnoxious. Yeah. And then at that point, we'll just have to say Bill Belichick is God and just keep moving after that. And that's the other thing I just try to keep in mind. It's not just funny Bill Belichick doesn't care about my fantasy team. It's like that man is clearly a different type of person. He doesn't care what you think. Most people, no matter what they say, they care a little bit. They don't want to be considered a monster or whatever. (laughs) He don't care. (laughs) If we finish this season and everyone like it was Tom Brady, it won't affect his mood and I owed he died no first. Like we think like it would make sense to go, well, I hope Tom Brady doesn't do well this year because you know that will show that I helped him out. He doesn't care. He like he probably no, wishes he really him well, but has no feelings one way or the other whether he's good unless he's facing him right. that week. Like Tom Brady it, might right. not exist to him anymore, honestly. <laughs> his money's good, yeah. his legacy is far from tarnishable. You know, he's safe. And he yeah. doesn't even care about that. He's just yeah. he's just gonna go do his do what he does. Man. Just incredibly apathetic. I think he's got the memory of a hamster. I don't even know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think you have to be like it's hard, you know, it's been so long ragging on the Patriots to recognize that people don't get this high and do this much anything without being just different types of people. And Tom Brady and mm-hmm. Bill, they're just different types of people. <laughs> like, stop expecting normalcy. Like, they're not going to react to it the way a human being, they're going to react to it they would. And he's just not going to care. It won't matter at all to him at all. <laughs> nope. All right, I don't Absolutely. even remember how we got to the Patriots, but I'm going to go to the wide receiver four for you because <laughs> this is where yep. it starts to get interesting for me. Um, I like both of the players that are going to be ranked next, but I would – I would flip-flop him. So uh, Denzel Mims is number four for you. And honestly, if it weren't for Adam Gase, he'd probably be four for me too. So tell me about Mims. <laughs> yeah, I really like Mims. My model likes Mim, um, my number four more than my number three as well. Um, it And this is, a, this is my second tier of wide receiver. So again, it's like I'm good with either of them, but I, I kind of want to land Mims a little bit more. Um, it might be some bias in terms of I assume I can get Mims cheaper. And he's a second round pick, for example, than, you know, the other guy was a first round pick. Um, I was trying to scoot over to some numbers here because I don't know much of it off my head. I can tell you his breakout age without finding it. Broke out in 19. Surprise, surprise. Most of if He didn't play a lot in his first year, which is why he's like a, a, what do they call him, a late late declare. But he's really not a late declare. I do think there's a change in the pattern and this is something Travis May is trying to teach me, okay? It's not something I figured out. But Travis May, I think he's at Roto World now rather than yeah. DLF. He's at Ro- Roto World now. I, he, he's, or Fantasy Pro. He's somewhere really, really important, okay? Smart guy. And <laughs> yeah. um, that I like to troll a lot, okay? <laughs> but he's been saying that the way and when players are playing right now is remarkably different. And Mims might be one of those guys. He only played two games in his first year. Then he's played three straight years. And, and was incredibly productive at each one. <laughs> and so he broke out the first year. He really played more than two games. So I just ignore the first year. And I don't, like, I think late declare signal is mostly catching residual age-adjusted production. 
Yeah. Um, if you know what I mean, you come out a little later than your mm-hmm. stats are based on a longer period of time. So I'm not overly worried about him coming in after playing four years because the years he played, he was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and yeah, second round draft capital with a great breakout age is age adjusted metrics is great. If I want to switch over from, you know, market share because everyone's tired of that, the new one is receiving yards per team pass attempt. And it is really predictive. It's a really good step yeah. to know. Top 12 wide receivers have at least one season and with two yards um, per team pass attempt. Denzel Mims has, I think, at least two his first year. Um, he was already there at two yards per team pass attempt. Um, I've recently, well, in my in my database, just to sound like a nerd, I've been tracking um, yards above team average. So, again, adjusting it by context, trying to understand what he was to their offense. So what was the team doing and then what was he adding additionally? He was adding 1.6 yards above the team average per team pass attempt. So he was doing a lot for the team. Top 12 wide receivers, for example, average about 1.7 in their final year, and he was at 1.64. So a little low, but definitely within range. It's not a particularly predictive metric, so I'm not worried about it being a little low. It just indicates he was incredibly uh, efficient part of this offense with significant volume outside of market share, if that's a word you're getting tired of as well. Um, again, he had one of the best pre-draft scores in my model, and then he got second-round draft capital, so I mm-hmm. actually adjusted him down a little bit, but not too much because it's still in the second round, and we're still getting plenty of hits from there, especially recently. Um, and his age-adjusted production rolled into a single number is uh, something I call production score, and that's a positive um, score. It's, uh, it's over the average of productive players once you adjust for all the ages he played at. So, yeah. Um, I, I love the profile and you got the draft capital I need. And now we walk into narrative street with the Jets, if you want. There is actually a danger, because that's not a good team. No. <laughs> or a good head coach. You know, a Jet yeah. could also always just be a Jet. But I really think, um, you know, Jameson Crowder and Robbie Anderson are clearly both above average players, but they both needed a below average situation to finally break into relevancy. We always thought they could. Um, and I think that's a product of the depth chart, just being a below average situation. So I, if I want to lean on something that's a little more sure, which is the quality of that depth chart, like Mims, Crowder's very good. Robbie Anderson's very good. If Mims is what his profile indicates, he shouldn't have a problem carving out a role for himself in that offense. Um, and we could also go vacated targets again, I guess, now, since that's what we talk about with Robbie Anderson being gone. That's not why. I don't need that. I think he, if he's not better than those two players, then I don't want him at this spot. So right, putting him right. here mm-hmm. says, I think he's better than those two. So sure. what do I care if they're there or not? If he's better, he's going to earn the role. Um, sorry, uh, that's that's my Denzel Mims friend. <laughs> let's let's hit on uh, yards per team pass attempt a little bit harder because sure. I actually like that a lot more than market share because all targets are created equal. Um, so that gets us closer to what you mentioned earlier, which is kind of, the best is kind of like fantasy points per target, right? Or or fantasy points per reception. What did you say earlier? Uh, no, fantasy points. Fantasy points I find useful for running backs from college. It's mm-hmm. not particularly useful for um, wide receivers. It's always found it. I mean, it's fine, but it's not the stat I'd lean on. But uh, yards per team pass attempt. It's It's actually more predictive than market share without doing anything to it. Put it that way. 
Yeah, so I just meant it gets – because in college we don't have – I mean, you could convert the fantasy points if you want to. But basically it got us – I felt like it got us closer to actually predicting um, how they were going to do. Like literally, you know, yeah. we, we, could pr- we could predict targets. We could predict reset. We could project all of it. But I feel like that got us a lot closer to uh, actually what kind of fantasy points am I going to get. So – uh, what's what? That's new, right? A lot of people are starting to work on that. Starting to last year or two, I started to hear about it. JJ Zacharyson and Anthony Amico is probably the first one who ever mentioned it to me, and I was resistant because I just spent all this time making a market share database. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> to be fair, it's a really easy stat when you think about it. It's just yards divided by another number, team attempts, so the number right. of times the team threw the ball. It's like a, it's a division, but it's market share is also a simple number. It's just a division. So it's not a <laughs> complex stat. But when you think about it, so there's beauty in that simplicity. One, you can go and find it. And I haven't because I had the market share data. It was all there to do it with. Um, two, it's it's more useful at describe, like you said, describing how the player might do and also more predictive of that player being good or bad without having to do any fancy modeling to it or to find the best year, the last year, or even though the age. And so that's all really good. And also there's a beauty, like it's the yard. So it's a production divided by the team passing attempt. So you've got volume and efficiency kind of rolled into a single number. And I think that's why it's got better signal by itself. It's really simple, easy to understand. And it's telling you about their volume and their efficiency at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I kind of love it. Um, and I hate them for finding it. Yeah, Mims had two yards per team pass attempt in his first year, playing more than two games at age 19. Um, he dropped to 1.1 at age 20, so he's a little less efficient. Um, uh, I also know he was actually getting less market share at that age as well. That's when he drops below average. But, you know, Julio Jones had a below average year. We're not going to criticize people for not being always the best in the world. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't uh, have a worse year. You have more volume and you're less efficient with it. It can happen. Um, and then at age 21, he had 1.8 yards per team pass attempt. This is Denzel Mims. Mm-hmm. And again, the average for a top 12 wide receiver is 1.7. And uh, Mims comes out at 1.64 so it, it definitely looks good so i, I did have a question though because we're we're about to like guess cr- maybe cross over and i don't know if this is maybe a threshold that you have but <coughs> I think mims was like the last wide receiver that was taken in the second round and then the and obviously jerry judy who's in your next tier uh was taken in the first same tier, but, but yeah. all the yeah, same tier. Uh, but then all the guys after that in the in the next tier, we're talking like third round guys, like fourth round guys, so on and well, so forth. Well, not Higgins. Oh yeah, then T T went in the second, right? Yeah, yeah, early second, I first pick so. of the second. Yeah, so I guess part of my question that goes back to your process and and how you look at draft capital. So I know you, and I've seen some of the debate on whether you go by just if it's the round, if it's the pick, or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 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 other the other thing that I guess has been on my mind is um, so looking at this class, especially at the wide receiver position, uh, we had I guess let's say at, at very least we had like ten plus wide receivers go in the first two rounds. Last last season, I don't think it came close to that. Maybe eight or nine. I've got so that does, if you want it. I, I want to. If I had to guess, it was probably like eight or nine. Uh, we had thirteen but, go round one and two last year. We had okay. nine round one and two. Okay. 
So does that so does that matter? So in a larger class, if a wide receiver gets selected, let's say in the second round, so instead of looking at it at at draft capital or not instead, but would another layer be instead of looking at it by draft draft round or by pick, would it would looking at the wide receiver four in this class because it is a larger class, would that make a difference or do we just have to strictly look at draft capital? Um, yeah, it makes a difference. But if we're talking about the average, um, during any decent sample size you want to talk about, draft round does matter more than draft pick. So being like DK Metcalf was the end of the second round last year, for example, I Mm -hmm. was able to go, I wanted to throw shade at Jake for that, but this uh, second round pick is a second round pick. And you can always, if you start delving into narrative street, you can say, well, you know, at the end of round two, and I heard people doing this last year, that's a really important pick because they know they're going to have to wait. Oh, they have to, uh, what was it? No, is it the start of the round? Wasn't he? Is that the very start of the round? DK was, um, yeah, they were saying, you know, they spent all night thinking about it. And when they got yeah. back, they just had to get DK Metcalf. And it's <laughs> you can always make an excuse like that. And it makes sense after the fact. Um, or it doesn't, and everyone forgets that narrative because it wasn't useful. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, it does matter to understand what the class is. The, the NFL thinks this is clearly a very heavy wide receiver class, and they're taking a lot of shots. I think that's significant. And to your point, 17 wide receivers were drafted rounds one to three this year. That's more than any class since 2007. That's as far Mm. back as I went with it. And the next highest number is like 15 in 2008. 14 wide receivers were drafted in 2017. And in 2014, which is a class I think we all hope this is. class. They also had 14 wide receivers go. They had five go in the first round this year. We had six and 17 mm-hmm. overall of the first three rounds. So there's some similarity there to the 2014 class, right? And so the NFL thinks it's that kind of year, and that matters. But notice that they also drafted five in the first round, and those were a lot of the wide receivers you wanted, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember who came from the second round. but I should know off the top of my head, but I don't memorize stuff. That's why I have a database, David. So in the second round in 2014, we got Alan Robinson, Jarvis Landry, Jordan Matthews, Marcus Lee, Devontae Adams, Paul Richardson, and Cody Latimer. So obviously some really good players in there, but you've also got players like Latimer. You've also got players yeah. like Lee, who actually look pretty decent, if I'm going to be honest. I didn't Just got her. hurt, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But in the first round, you've got the the quote-unquote miss. He had one top 24 season as Calvin Benjamin. Benjamin. Sammy Watkins, who I don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> but then know. you've got Mike Evans, Odo Beckham, and Brandon Cooks. So you've got plenty of hits going off in the second round, just to compare these two classes. But it tells a, tells a broader story, too. But you get much better hit rate in the first round. And the height is all in the first round as well. You could argue Devontae Adams in the second round has similar height, which is why you shouldn't be so snobby about it. Sure. But you've got a smaller barrel of fish with bigger fish in it, and you get your. So that's what you want. You want the you want the bit the small barrel with big fish, mm-hmm. um, and on average, that's what the draft round will give you. But then you have to break down the class, and there's nothing that can really say. I haven't found anything that ever adjusts for that. Like, because he's the fifth pick overall in the second round, that makes him worse. I mean, again, if we want to go to 2014, it doesn't exactly work like that. 
memory serves, mm-hmm. like Devontae Adams comes after Marcus Lee, comes after Jordan Matthews, Jarvis Landry, and Alan Robinson. And we'd probably say that was the biggest pick, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. it, it, yes, it's very good to know that that's this type of class and that you shouldn't be snobby about it. If you've got a really good player, like I think Mims is one, going in the second round, I'm not going to fade him. Sure, second round's really good. That's, right. that's a pretty good barrel, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, if we're talking likelihood, it's the first round. It's, it's okay to fade mm-hmm. a player from that round too because we got Kelvin Benjamin. We got – who else did we just say? God, I can't even remember the thing I said five seconds. Cody Latimer. <laughs> uh, Sammy yeah. Watkins. Oh, and nothing right, said right. Sammy yeah. nothing said Sammy Watkins was bad. Um Oh no, he's you know, perfect. People can tell you that now, perfect. obviously. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um he's drafted fourth overall, for goodness sake, if we want to talk about draft picks. Yeah. So it's kind of it's good to know, but like I'm not I've never found any way of adjusting by draft pick that's gonna help you hit and miss in those different rounds, if you know what I mean. So mostly you just... More for context. Yeah, yeah. It's good content. Understand what that team did. And it's like Mm -hmm. um, lots of people track and keep track of, you know, this team traded up to get this guy. Again, sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's going to not because they're right or wrong. It doesn't work out. But it's good to know that's what the team thinks. Right. Right. Just because they traded up for him doesn't mean that they were right in their... Yeah, that was always, that's always an interesting one for me. I mean, that, that doesn't mean that your pro, your profile on him was correct just because you right. stepped more forward. <laughs> you could have equally been as wrong. All right, so let me jump around a little bit, Peter. Um, so we, we talked about Judy a little bit earlier. He was your next guy. But what I really want to talk about is Brian Edwards because you have we spent all this time talking about draft capital. You have Edwards here at wide receiver six. Um, you have his teammate down there at wide receiver 10. Uh, who was drafted as the first wide receiver off the board. So can you talk to the, uh, talk to us about that a little? Yeah, I can do a few things quickly. One, I want to mention Jerry Judy because Chris was interested in him. The simple reason I have him below Mims, um, I have to trust other people on that more. And I guess I have trust issues. But like, I don't want to look back and say, well, the reason I had Jerry Judy over Mims was because people told me to. That seems insincere or some level if you know what i mean like i believe the Mm -hmm. people telling me and frankly hit rate first round and his breakout age and his production metrics are fine like we take in more context like i don't hate perfect jerry judy looks good i'm not going to tell you that uh that this is how it should be but i have to believe other people to adjust mentally and um, for what his production was and i don't for mims so it's just more sincere to say mims comes out higher for me even though my model and the hit rates were disbelieving me and then i get to brian edwards and it's a very separate tier i keep flip-flopping him and higgins and um, edwards actually has a higher likelihood to break out coming from a third round because we because i'm adjusting for breakout age um, and I believe in that. You don't have to, but that's when I run the hit rates, that breakout age seems useful in that way. Um, actually, you do have to. I've got to stop being so soft on this. It's take season. You're an idiot if you don't believe in breakout age and it's 100% true. It works 21% of the time, which means it's great not to add a 10 <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, Brian Edwards was phenomenally productive. He has an age 18 breakout age with a 20% threshold. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Very few players do it. I'm taking it. Um, I'm not, I don't have to take him this high, but like that's why I love him so much. And even like the percentage chance makes him more likely to break out. 
just based on draft round breakout age than second round wide receivers. So that's <laughs> significant to me. If this class wasn't so productive, he would look like um, a T.Y. Hilton or Stefan Diggs, just order by draft round and have their production metrics. It's just green, green and slowly fading to orange. And then this weird green box, which is Brian Edwards, and then back to orange, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what Hilton, that's what Stefan Diggs, if this was an ordinary draft class, I think it would stand mm-hmm. out to more people a lot clearly. And unfortunately, like he's not more productive than Judy or Mims or Jefferson. So it kind of fades. But um, that's why I have Brian Edwards ahead. He's just more likely to break out. He's my type of player. Ruggs, on the other hand, never broke out in college. Literally never got to a 20% threshold, let alone a 30% threshold of his college offense. I wrote an entire article explaining that's not doesn't mean I hate the player. I can see why people like him. If you look at points per game, for example, he was an incredible playmaker. He must have been scoring touchdowns by the dozens, as far as I can tell, to mm-hmm. get that many fantasy points. I get it. Mm-hmm. He, and he's incredibly fast. I think he went to the perfect landing spot. If we're going to read landing spot on a very simple level, the Raiders with John Gruden and the guy, th- that's a place that a Henry Ruggs is going to get thrown targets regardless, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. completely agree. But again, to be sincere to the things that I found that I like and don't like, Henry Ruggs just doesn't have any of them. I, I can see what other people are saying. I definitely see it, but like that's not what I hunt. That's not what I track. Sure. Um, and so that's why he's fallen down the board for me. Um, if I was going to be like, uh, he's a first round wide receiver, though. He should go in the first round of rookie drafts. But it would be insincere to say I would take him <laughs> in the top 12. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty uh, decent value, uh, value, to be honest with you, though. He's going in the second. Oh, yeah. Pretty much every rookie draft that i've seen super flex of course that's all i really play but um i don't i agree with you i i, I knew to this before i even looked at your ranks that he was going to be low and it was going to be a talking point uh, just because he doesn't have anything for you peter <laughs> you look at rugs and he just shrugs at you 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 got to trust people and rugs to be honest with you uh, i don't mind that at all obviously your ranks aren't indicative of where you'd have to draft people because you would get edwards uh later but he's been he's been a very good value. Uh, I don't know why he was drafted in the third. To be quite honest with you, I was pretty positive he was going to be a second round wide receiver. This is where I go to Chris's story of this draft class. Like I can start to believe in Edwards falls. He had lower counting mm-hmm. stats. Even my model doesn't like him as well because it was just a little bit lower. I just like the age at which he was doing it all mm-hmm. so early. Um, like I think he actually played at 17. He's one of those Juju Smith-Schuster where his age doesn't really oh, wow. make sense and I had to adjust it up, if I remember right. Um, but anyway, I have to recheck that. But yeah, he was playing so young and being such a large part of an offense. And, you know, John Moore and I think it was actually Sean Siegel who first proposed breakout age. John Moore expanded on it at Rotoviz, and that's where I learned it from, from John Moore. And what he used to say is that what, what you've got to imagine is an 18-year-old kid, more athletic than yeah. you ever were 18, but 18 going into a college room where these guys have been training for two years. Some Most of them are 23 that they're going up against for opportunity and on the defense. They're, they've mm-hmm. been working. They're, they're huge. They're as athletic as they're ever going to be. And you're just an 18-year-old kid just starting out who's mm-hmm. never played on an offense as seriously or this serious, serious of an offense. And you're going to do you're going to break out then. Right. <laughs> that, <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's what Brian Edwards did. That's what Jalen Rangler did. That's why I value them a little higher. 
Mm-hmm. All right, Peter, I got a curveball for you real quick, mostly for my curiosity. We're around the point where Nikhil Harry fits in, right? Huh. Right. Okay, so where 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 do you have him right now <laughs> with, um, between these guys? Oh, where would I trade for him? Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, who? like if you had to slot him into these rankings, where would you put him? I can feel J. Mike listening on this conversation <laughs> yeah, right. right now. Um, knowing what he's done in this first year. Right, right. Uh, he's probably in the Edwards Higgins tier. Okay. You okay. know. That's what I thought. Know. That's why I brought him up now. Yeah. I had him on my mind. Um, I, but what you, you'd ask for a little more if you were trading Nikhil for Edwards, right? Um, no, I'd be fine. Like, I can actually do. Um, look, NFL production is more predictive than college production. No matter how much I want to tell you about how great college production is and how this guy right. broke out at eighteen. Sucking in the NFL is worse than being great in college. It <laughs> just is. And he kind of sucked in his first year. Um, I can actually do, like, to be fair to the kid, like, I, I loved his profile last year. And if I do it. Right, like, right. That's why I asked. Here. And also, I mean, he was injured for a lot of it. Whether he was seriously injured or not, he was on the IR. Like, I hope some of that work. I really hope some of that works out. Because I was, like, that's the guy I wanted from last year's class. Right. Uh, well, you know, he was he was on the IR all year, and then it's just a hard offense to produce in anyway. So you go from being on the IR as a rookie, not getting to, you know, come along, and then you're playing in one of the most important games of the season, getting yelled at by Tom Brady. I mean, I can't imagine any of that could have been very good for his development. I, I think he needs a fresh start this year, to be honest. I've been getting t- him everywhere. And to the point, and, and you know, it also helps understanding hit rates here or putting it in context. Rookie fever is a real thing. I'm feeling it, especially with this class myself. So let's do a reality check. Yeah. Nuku or Harry would have been the second highest scoring wide receiver just below CD Lamb if wow. I was to insert him into this year's class. Nice. So, you know, like I still like that guy. I still can't believe it worked out so bad. And by worked out so bad, I mean, yeah, he was injured, but. Like, I'm expecting reasonable thresholds. For wide receivers mm-hmm. that do well and badly in the future, they're able to achieve some sort of, like, that 10% mark is not hard to hit. Right. And neither's 50 fantasy points, neither six four to 600 yards, just sh- something. Um, right. But, you know, to context the player, the team's a difficult team. The quarterback didn't like him. I want to believe all of that. I just don't know if it's true. I don't know if he, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he didn't like him, but I just remember actually seeing him yell at Nikhil Harry on an NFL football field after Nikhil Harry had been on the sidelines all year. I just feel for the kid, man. I mean, it, right. you have to paint yourself a picture if you're going to throw away year one or not. And if, if you're going to throw away year one, then like you said, he's right there after Lamb. And wow, you're getting right there after Lamb in the 11th round of startups, or you, <laughs> right. or you don't throw away year one, and he's going to suck just like a JJ Arcega Whiteside, you know, because <laughs> he didn't because yeah. he didn't hit 10. percent So I mean, people are going to have to pick a side on this, and if you're going to pick the side that I'm picking, which is I'm just going to throw away year one, uh, you need to go trade for him. And if you're not picking that side, then he's worthless. Remember, we get about four players to have a top 24 fantasy finish from any particular draft class on average since 2007. Yeah. Most of them, a lot of them come from the first round, second round. Some of them are going to be undrafted free agents like Adam Thielen. Mm -hmm. Just 
like this is why rookie fever is a thing. I can't find a reason not to like these players, but I also know most of those first round wide receivers they can't all break out. Like they didn't in 2014, mm. like we just looked about. And that's the best draft class ever. The one before that yeah. was 2010. Same story, although in 2010, only four wide receivers. Uh, no, two wide receivers went in the first round, and two in the second, and seven in the third. So we got <laughs> six hits from that class. <laughs> and we only got four in the first two rounds. So, like, you, you're taking a gamble. So you do have to find a story that you can believe in on top of everything. Else. Right. I, and then you get situations where bad Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the league now. It's like, what do you even do? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's hard. <laughs> running backs, man. <laughs> That's why you yep. do. I'm, I'm the same way, except for in this rebuild. I've just been in this rookie auction. I'm taking all the wide receivers. All right, let's talk about the next one then. Uh, T. Higgins first pick in the second round of the NFL draft and he's the first pick in the second round probably of your super flex drafts um what what do you got on T Higgins Peter I don't know what I don't like about this guy um my comp for him and I have very few comps but some players just ask for one it's like a like a rich man's Devin Funches who had a top 24 season before you get all hateful like he did what we're hoping any of these guys will do um he he doesn't stand out. And to, to be honest, it, he doesn't stand out in the way A.J. Green doesn't stand out. He was slightly below average in terms of his production at his different ages, in the, almost the exact same level. Um, he was slightly inefficient, which A.J. Green was not. I'll point that out. That I'm stopping that comparison right there. <laughs> uh, A.J. Green was also much more athletic um, and went in like the top 10 picks. None of that applies to Higgins. Higgins. Yeah. Um, it's more yeah. Devin Funchessy. Like he's got one one point two eight yards above his team's average in uh, yards per team pass attempt. Mm-hmm. Like that's like kind of bad. Uh, it's not terrible. Like Henry Ruggs got like zero point two seven. That's terrible. But he was also the wide receiver three in his offense. And um, mm-hmm. but you know Chase Claypool kind of level in terms of that volume and efficiency mix. And um, and so he's one of those players I have to believe other people on. He did break out at nineteen. Um, with the with a nineteen percent threshold, um, he didn't break into a thirty percent threshold, so he didn't get thirty percent of his team's receiving yards. In other words, um, I, I can see that being a good player, but he doesn't stand out next to all these other guys who might not hit. To be fair, that just did a lot more at the ages that they played. Um, he did. He played at Clemson, the ACC. So I guess that's a good team and a good situation. And no, that's a oh, that's yeah. a college team I've heard about. That's all yeah, I know. I, mean, I guess that's all right. All right. <laughs> but weren't we just talking about Sammy Watkins a bit ago? Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark I mean, Davis, he Bryant, looked great. So maybe maybe this is zigging where he's at. Sammy Watkins looked great from <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I believe it. I can definitely see how the, this is a good player, but he doesn't stand out. Um, in an average draft class, he would look decent. In this draft class, mm-hmm. he just falls below these other guys who are doing so mm-hmm. much more at an earlier age. Um, I keep flip-flopping him between Brian Edwards, like I said, uh, because I believe it. It's just I know Brian Edwards did something most players don't do, and it's significant. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins did everything he was meant to do, that's just less exciting. <laughs> um, How sad is that? I wish, so you, next you have LaVishka Chenault, and I'm really interested in hearing about this one. Um, and then after that, you've got Pittman, 
who I wish you had next because I had a good uh, segue into that. So we'll get to that <laughs> in a second. But with Chenault, uh, can you tell me about his yards per, yards per team pass attempt? Because it has to be high, right? Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll flip them if you want. This is a tier of interesting players other people like a lot more than me for one reason or another that we've uh-huh. talked about mostly with good draft, ca- decent draft capital and decent landing spots. So I'm like, yeah, I can see how any of these guys are a good value around now, basically. Um, Levistic Schnault, uh, let's see, he broke out in 19. He had one good year is the problem with Levistic right, Schnault. Right. And all his other years, like, weren't less good. Like, everyone has a bad year. They were terrible. <laughs> they were right. like, mm-hmm. that guy can't play wide receiver, which obviously he can. His age 19 season was phenomenal. Yards per team pass attempt, his best season is 1.9, which is very, very good. As I talked about, like two is something that most top 12 wide receivers hit at least once. Right. In his last season, though, he was at like 1.3. Uh, in his first season, minus 0.1. Don't even yeah. know how that happens. Actually, <laughs> I would have to go look <laughs> how he got Bubbles a minus crease. score. He, yeah, wow. I guess he got a rushing attempt and lost yeah. <laughs> yards or something and didn't play much in his first year. And that is something I, w- I would say about Chenault. Like, he didn't play a lot. He played seven games at age 18, so it's a little harsh to, like, judge him on that one. Right. But his last season, after his great year, he had played 11 games and did badly. Like, yeah. like worse than Rager, who everyone wants to fade because he did worse. But... Like, it was a bad team year two. It was a bad year team year three. Um, it looks like ran, what I call them as peak producers. One player who has a particularly good year, but nothing else fits that profile. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't trust mm-hmm. that. My model likes it because it looks it just by every age. It looks at his peaks and looks at his average as well. Um, and it likes him fine. It, my mo- Again, it's one of those players that my model... And the hit rates love because he's got an age 19 breakout age drafted in round two. So that's fairly high hit rate. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it because that's the only year he did anything like that. So maybe it's just a different player. And that's what like Anthony Amico again has been saying, you know, he's a dynamic player going to an offense that could use that. And so, yeah, I can see it, but like that one year was good. If he'd done anything like that, any other time, (laughs) I wouldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, but his other years were like dog terrible. Um, so the reason I asked about yards per team target is because I knew he was going to do incredibly well. And that statistics just based on the fact that he's the yak king, which goes back to why I like yards per team target, because if you're getting yak, you're getting more points. So that's another reason to like yards per team target, maybe even more than market share, just because you can have a high market share and not do much with your touches. So... Okay. My columns were messed up. Sorry, his best yards per team pass attempt was 2.4, which is incredible. It goes again to what <laughs> okay. you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all I figured. He, I mean, 1.9 was still pretty good as well, but 2.4 is, in fact, incredible. You're right. So I guess my, uh, I guess another question then going into the yards per team target, um, mm-hmm. what would we do with uh, – because you guys don't – because we don't have dot at the college level, right? Would that just be like the, the Holy grail of, of all like college uh, statistics searching at this point? Cause we're getting as close as we can to at least understanding to understanding how the players were used like in college. So we can at, from there try and not necessarily translate, but at least as we've been going through tonight, uh, 
trying to weave a story or like create a narrative for some of these players and how they'll be used at the NFL level. So would that be just like the not necessarily the end all be all, but just the final piece in order for us to better understand how these receivers could get used at the NFL level. If you had that, probably need a lot more information for like uh, final piece arguments. Um, I like targets. Obviously at the NFL, they're a lot more useful than yards. For example, I, I once did an episode where I performed kind of this evaluation on NFL players from last year to kind of put it in perspective. Like we know the NFL better, right? So if you say Mm. like, um, uh, Robbie Anderson profiled like as one of the best players in the NFL because he was getting such a large percentage of the team. He's like, okay, I can see how you could be on a bad team and look better, but he's still a good player. And so it, mm-hmm. it, it helped understand what it does and um, by using yards instead of targets. And um, I once found a three-year history of targets for college. I don't trust them because if I can't get them from the source, I get everything else from like, Passing attempts changes from website to website. You've got to find a trustable one and use one source, I've found. And I couldn't get that with targets. But I tested the three-year sample, which is too small. I couldn't find anything to really indicate it would help out phenomenally. But I'm sure it could. Targets have to be more valuable. And to that point, um, uh, what's... um, What's his website? Um, I've completely forgotten the name of the website. Expand the box score? Um, oh yeah, is, by uh, uh, People Pens Singleton. I, he's yeah, but d- that's it. Single, single, Singleton, uh, Andy Singleton. Um, his website's meant to have a target history. It is paywalled, and I'm uh, I'm a, I'm a non-paywalled slub, so I can't tell you much about it. But that would be a useful source for this information that's available. Um, mm-hmm. so that's interesting. Um, I'm I I. I th- I'm not sure how much. I, I tell you what, I think if there was one thing we could get, it would be a dot. I would say that would tell us a lot. Like one thing I want to know is how consistent players' roles are from college to the NFL. Like everyone, like Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies, he's making a slot argument for CD Lamb in Dallas, which would be great. I mean, that's where all the vacated targets are. But also, it's a really productive role in the NFL. <laughs> um, and CD Lamb played, and you know. Zach watches, and that's how he knows. It's mm-hmm. not a number available from like uh, that I can get at in a public database. He said he played mostly mm-hmm. in a slot type role. So is that consistent? Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do know is like Golden Tate played a much more downfield role in the NFL. Then he goes in college. Then he goes to the NFL. He did play that at the Seahawks. That reminded me a little bit. But since then, he's been yep. much more middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Is that common? Is that uncommon? Deshaun Jackson, I assume, was always playing down the field, but in college, was he also? Did he also have a lower A dot? Because yes, he's a downfield stretcher. But if you have Deshaun Jackson on a college offense, you've got to find use for him around the ten yards beyond uh, the line. Yeah, right, right. He's he just got to be a wide so, receiver one, right? And he had phenomenal market share, phenomenal yards per team pass attempt. So A dot or something like it would give us a better idea, one of the role they're playing in college without, you know, having to grind all the tape, which Mm. I'm never going to do. And then see if it's consistent. Do players switch? Do they switch a lot? And that might give us Mm. a better idea. Like, um, is Lamb going to play the slot? Well, here's how often they stay at the same kind of A dot. That would tell us that. Mm -hmm. Or even slot rate, I guess, to your target argument. Um, but something like that, I think, would be the the, ne- the at least the next piece to add to our understanding of who was the biggest part of this offense and where were they playing on the field. We don't have a lot. I don't have a lot 
to tell me that. Yeah, the reception is trash, as we know. <laughs> so I don't use that at all. As far yeah. as, you know, for explaining what they're doing on the field, because right. that reception could be anywhere. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd say. I want something like ADOT. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I w- I've been trying to understand because, especially in the case of a guy like Henry Ruggs, mm-hmm. it's I- I've right. heard I've heard the case from from both sides. It's like the the film guys keep saying that well, he can be used in a variety of different ways. It's not just about the speed, right. which is what everyone said about John Ross. Not to make a comparison, <laughs> sure. like I don't want to say that that's exactly what's going to happen because I hate when people nitpick and say that this player did this, so this one's going to do this. All I'm saying is you can't just say that he can do everything unless he demonstrates that he can do everything and we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's yeah. the point, isn't it? It's not that it's a bad like it's they're not wrong to do that. It's just when you can only look one player at a time, it's not very right. convincing. Whereas right. if we could say, right. well most actually or very few, then we'd have a better idea of and you know, to your John Ross comment, like I think Henry Ruggs could be what we hope John Ross was. Sure, like he's absolutely. better built for it. You know, he's got a lot less injury sure. history than John Ross did coming right. in. Similar absolutely. speed, mm-hmm. and he's much like I say, his build. At, you know, I, I don't know the right words, but he he's he's thicker. Maybe like I think he could yeah. hold up to that. And you know, just to be fair to John Ross, I'd love to claim him as a win. But like he's he hasn't played in the NFL yet. <laughs> We've well, never yeah, seen yeah. it. To be his fair, whole, his whole first season got thrown away because he fumbled after a twelve-yard rush because Marvin Lewis is an idiot. But there uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he could still do something in the NFL. But my only point is that if you just keep chasing, I right. mean, it, it's so much fun that he was the fastest forty time. I get it, but. Man, I mean, we've seen we we've seen the fast guys. You have to do everything in the NFL. I'm, all I'm yeah, saying is, this guy ran the fastest forty without tearing his hamstring like John Ross did when he did it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> sorry, Chris. What are you going to say? That that was that was going to be my point. Was that if well, one, we don't have the same injury history, but two, if we had something like A dot to better contextualize mm-hmm. all of that production yeah. that Henry Ruggs had, then we wouldn't be sitting there arguing <laughs> it, like, with the film folks and saying, that, <laughs> right. well. It, like the data doesn't show that he can do all the things that you can do. <laughs> exactly. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what exactly. else to do because you can't prove it right now. It gets really yeah, frustrating because it takes so yeah. long to explain all this stuff, and then when they get to the end of it, they're like, "Oh, okay, I get it. It's fairly simple." I'm like, "Yeah, what can you tell yeah. me about this? Nothing." <laughs> like that's all I got. Watch every single like, that's play. all we have. <laughs> it's yeah. useful, kind of, yeah. and it takes a long time to get there, but it's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't tell you about that. <laughs> no, so you, uh, that's where the narratives start to come in, and I'm I'm not always trying to be a dick about it, but I do try and point it out. It's like I don't know, and by that I mean I don't have anything to show you whether it happens a lot or a little bit. But it makes sense mm-hmm. that, and I get why people start to make stories. Like you said, we kind of have to at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I think I've heard the thing for uh, Lavishka being uh, playing a big slot role. For for Jackson, maybe it's like sure. I mean, okay, well, because they don't want well because DJ Chark is now like the new hot thing down in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. So to keep any heat off of him, (laughs) get rid of (laughs) let's get rid of DD Westbrook and Keelan Cole and just give all their targets to Lavishka. Yeah, Josh Oliver too. 
<laughs> yeah. For, I mean, forget all the Even nonsense. that's an argument that works half the time, which makes it, to my definition, a narrative. Like sometimes, like sometimes people say, you know, having this player on the field hurts them because they're not going to get less targets. And other times they say, this is good because they'll have less coverage. And it seems mm-hmm. to work out about 30% of the time. It's like, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown. 30% of the time, argument. every time. Yeah. I don't know how we keep yeah. believing. <laughs> um, we have yeah. to make stories, just don't sell them as fact. You know, it's like, that's right. maybe, I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Like, yeah, was Juju Smith-Schuster a good wide receiver because Antonio Brown was drawing wide receiver on coverage? Or is just Juju Smith-Schuster just a good wide receiver? The second one. I, I, yeah, I'll take the second one. <laughs> uh, we'll just say that. Because they're not even mutually exclusive. That's what I always love about that argument. Like, Juju still had to be good right, right. to be good next to Antonio Brown. Like, it's not every wide receiver two behind Antonio sure. Brown has been phenomenal. Right. It's you like, that's not how that works. You can't, yeah, that's just that's not how it happens. You can't put me in a Steelers uniform and just let me benefit from getting single coverage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if that was the case, then everybody should have had Martavis Bryant like on their roster and just kept on riding him forever. But we didn't well, do we that. Well, we would have tried just, to, but it, he kept smoking pot. <laughs> right? Yeah, but it's just it's difficult. That's uh, that's why again, I just some of those arguments and the narratives. It's just it's hard to prove it unless we had the data in front of us. So that's when we just we start spinning some of those narratives yeah. in order for it to at least make sense for. I don't know, like maybe one or 10 people, but then once the, like one person will look at it and be like, that doesn't make much sense. I mean, to me. you do have to try to spend narratives, but you also have to be willing to like shrug at the end. Like our whole job yeah. is to right. contextualize all of the data that we pull and then spin a narrative for it. Like is Antonio Gibson yeah. going to try to be CMC? I don't know, but there's room for that to happen. So well, maybe. Sure. That's the lie of it all, isn't it? Film versus metrics. It's like, Mm -hmm. if I want to know if the numbers I'm seeing that seem to suggest a player is really good is good, I'll go ask the PGA tour expert uh, or Zach Reed. I'll say, hey, is this guy actually good? (laughs) Because they can Mm -hmm. tell me much more about, yeah, yeah. And they can say, hey, this guy looks really good. And I can be like, well, it looks good, but it's happening at a low rate. It's not very efficient. It's, 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 you know, small sample size or observation bias, I think. And they're like, okay. And that's what actually happens. It's not one or the other. And that's how they combine as well, literally. You can see if it's real, and I can tell you if it's got the context behind it. That's kind of that's kind sure. of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was going back through and editing this, I wasn't sure if we would wind up needing to do a part three for this. But as I mentioned in part one, the two hour long conversation was just hard to break up into just two pieces. And we talked about so many different things along the way. So it looks like we're going to wind up having a part three. Hope you guys have enjoyed it so far. We'll finish off the last of the top 12 here in a little bit, uh, along with some other conversations that we have with Peter, but stick around and we'll have part three out for you here. Just shortly. The books, kid, read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic.